You're listening to Halford and Bruff. We have a trade to announce. I think you're going to want to hear this. Tip to the far boards and Miller held in left point. Into the slot for Horvat. He scores! Bo Horvat has his second of the game on a one-time drive from the slot, and it's 3-2. to two. Nah, surprise, not really, because when you think about it, Borovat uh, wanted to uh, leave the uh, Vancouver Canucks. I thought it was going to be a, a Canuck for life, um, to be honest with you. We have a bowl. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650, and we are coming to you live. From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. There's only one man in the morning that can tell you about Kintech. His name is Jay Bruff. It's Jason Bruff, and we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. we got a huge show ahead on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We are going to dive deep into the January transfer window. It closes today across Europe. God, you're the worst. Jorginho from Chelsea to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. What a pickup for their title chase. Tell me right. more. Is this little bit done? Yeah, it's done. Okay. Uh, guest list is going to begin at 6.30. Greg Wyshynski is going to join us from ESPN. I'm not going to tell you what we're going to talk to these guests about because you know what we're going to talk about. I haven't said it out loud yet. Uh, 7 o'clock, Greg Picker. He is the Isles color commentator, so we can talk to him about what we're going to talk about today. And then at 8 o'clock, it's Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and uh, Canucks Talk right here on Sports Next Sportsnet 650. We're going to talk to Drance about what we're going to talk about today. About the January transfer window. Everyone knows. Uh, very light night in the NHL schedule as we inch closer and closer to the start of the All-Star weekend. There's a bunch of NBA games. Your beloved Newcastle United is in action. But that's what's happening later in the show today. Right now, we need to tell you about that thing that happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... So in a story that got pretty much everyone by surprise, at least by the time, good old Lou Lamorello, keeping it under wraps, the captain, Bo Horvat, traded from Vancouver yesterday at around 2.45 in the afternoon. Josh Elliott-Wolf and Israel Fair right here on Sportsnet 650, breaking it live. Bo to the Islanders in exchange for Anthony Beauvillier. Atu Ratu. Mm -hmm. We got that ready? Probably. I don't know. And uh, a conditional first-round pick in 2023. It is finally over. The captaincy of Bo Horvat. He moves on, becomes a New York Islander. If we thought he would be a Canuck for life. Yeah, we all knew this was possible, but we didn't know for sure that he'd be traded. And we didn't know when it would be or what the return would be. Um, I guess we can stop worrying about Bo Horvat getting hurt in a Canucks game. We talked about that yesterday. Um, and I'm sure the timing of this trade had something to do with it. I'm also um, sure that the break for the Canucks was not a coincidence that they pulled the trigger on the deal at this point. Inconvenient for Bo, <laughs> being in Florida 
with his family uh, going to Disney World with the kids ahead of uh, appearing in Florida at the All-Star break. Very inconvenient. I'm sure he'll have to figure out some stuff because he'll have to join the Islanders right after this All-Star break. But I think for the advantage for the players still on the Canucks is they don't have to speak to the media about this. They can collect their thoughts. Some of them are probably already on vacation, except for Pedersen, who's going to have to deal with it at the All-Star game. And lots of questions about, are you going to be the next captain? And he's like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about anything. Um, But, uh, you know, at first glance to me, the return seemed fair, if not overwhelming. I wasn't like, wow, Beauvillier, wow, Uh, Ratu, I've never heard of him. Is he good? Hey, prospects nerds, is he good? Uh, I was happy that they got the first round pick, uh, although we don't know where in the first round it's going to be or which year it's going to be. It could be this year. It could be next year. Um, You know, I I know people had high hopes to land a defenseman in this trade, but I'm okay with getting a center back. Um, Centers are tough to find as as well, Um, and hopefully Ratu um, can develop into at least – a very solid 3C. Yep. And I I was actually probably more bullish on the, the deal than you were when we were going back and forth yesterday. Um, but it goes beyond just the actual return for me. Like, I, I, one thing that I think is fundamentally important, I wanted to put this at the forefront, even though there's a million other things we need to get to in this trade. If you're going to go out and promise major surgery, then you got to deliver. And to be honest... I did not want any of this to extend right to the trade deadline. I know that there was this thought that this could get dragged out over the course of a month and drive up the price and everything else. But look, I think at a certain point we had to realize that if the season is indeed a write-off, and the season is indeed a write-off, it's selling assets time, then there was no more time to waste mm-hmm. just letting it, like try and turn something positive into this year. Because it's not going to be a playoff spot. Right. Here's the thing. You mentioned the the players won't have to answer questions about this anymore. Well, yeah. Okay. I didn't mean it that way. No, but to put it in another context, if you truly want to give Rick Tockett a chance to do a proper coaching job, then don't give him a month of distractions with Horvat just playing out the string, maybe trying not to get hurt and going into the deadline. So for me, even though in the grand scheme of things, this deal is always really, it's always going to be where that first round pick lands. Mm -hmm. Secondly, what happens to Ratu? And then third, I guess if Beauvillier can give them something in the immediate. And then they can flip them. Yeah. I think what this really is all about is if you want to look big picture, and we had the benefit of doing that because we had some time to sit and marinate on it. This is the first incision of a major surgery. Mm -hmm. This is what it looks like. This is it. Horvat leaves, and we'll talk about his legacy because I think that's a really important part of the conversation. I know yesterday everyone was lined up to talk about what's coming back, what's new, what's shiny, all the toys, but this is a very, very big slice that Jim Rutherford and company took out of this organization. Good, bad, or otherwise. You can like the deal, you can hate the deal, but you can't deny the fact that Horvat, during a very tumultuous time for this organization, right, and I think at times through no fault of his own, was the front-facing leader of this team, Mm -hmm. for good, bad, or otherwise. And I think his legacy is something important to talk about. So who won the trade? That's always a question that comes up. You see all sorts of articles two hours after the trade is made, giving trade grades to each team. (laughs) Um, For me, it's always hard to – well, I think for anyone, it's always hard to pick the winners of a trade, especially where futures are involved. Like, we don't even know where the first-round pick – is going to be, but as a 
as a Canucks fan, I still am a fan, believe it or not, uh, I'm okay with the trade. If I were an Isles fan, I'm not sure I would be okay with this trade. The Isles are not in a playoff position right now. And their prospect group, like the Canucks, is pretty thin. Horvat will really have to produce for them yeah, for this to be worthwhile. And he's going to have to produce on a contract that's going to be pretty big, assuming he re-signs with the Islanders. I'm assuming that's going to happen. You're not suggesting that maybe... <laughs> Lou Lamorello might have had some sort of conversation with Pat Morris that might have. Well, I'm not sure if it was a conversation with him, but you or maybe can... there's like a third party involved. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just assume that it's going to happen right now. Um, we'll talk to Greg Wachinski about that um, because he tweeted out he's like, we, we've got to assume that Lou has a general. Lou Lamorello has a general idea of like the fact that he can get Horvat resigned because imagine if he makes this trade and. Obviously, it doesn't flip him at the at the deadline, and then the Islanders miss the playoffs, and then Horvat walks away. It would like be that, the worst case scenario. Like that can't that can't happen. Can't like he has to. He's, he's somewhat. I I assume he's protected against that. Now, something that Drance is going to talk endlessly about, and has written about already, is that the Canucks made the type of bet that um, some teams have made against the Canucks. And that they're, Drance will use this word, fading the Islanders, the Canucks are, in that they're hoping, in a way, mm-hmm. that the the draft pick is actually delayed until next year. And then next year, the Islanders find themselves in a position where they're not a very good team. Yeah. And despite the fact that they've added guys like Horvat and they've still got guys like Barzell and Sorokin and Goal – that they're not a very good team and the Canucks draft pick turns into like, I don't know, a top 10, top five even draft pick. Remember, that was the worry when JT Miller was traded to Vancouver and ultimately the Canucks made the playoffs in that bubble year yep. and it didn't turn into a it didn't turn into a, uh, a lottery pick. Yeah, I think that is a very important part of it. I don't want to focus too much on like leveraging or shorting the island. It's kind of cool though that they're playing the lo- that theoretically are well, playing that's... playing the long game in that way. Like to, I'm just not used to that. No, I'm not yes, used to Canucks Andy, ownership Andy it is very cool. It's very cool when all the other teams in the NHL are doing it as well. Well, yeah, I'm not used to it. We're it's, not usually the ones that do that. It's right. funny. It's it's funny how um, the Canucks identified. The Vancouver Canucks of the Eastern Conference to make this trade. <laughs> you know who's? I know they did. Like they yeah, honestly yeah, did. Yeah. They're like this is a short-term trade by the Islanders. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. That yeah. could. It was the Spider-Man meme in real time. They're like, I'll trade with you. And for what it's worth, we're the same worth, guy. Isles fans were really unhappy losing Ratu, so that could be good. If, See, they're, I, if they're unhappy, maybe he's really good. I like the gamble there because I think I again for who for Ratu. Oh yeah, okay. I like. Okay, here's here's what you know, is that he's the best rated prospect coming from a team that had a lousy prospect pool. I think all the different nerds had him around the low twenties in terms of prospect depth. So, at the very least, you're saying, well, you've entertained this dance with a partner. You kind of get what you get from their prospect bin. But I think at the same time. Uh, I'm I'm going to rule out everything that happened in 2020 and 2021 in terms of drafts just because of COVID. I'm like, everything was messed up. Everyone's mm-hmm. development was messed up. All the drafts were wildly all over the place. I mean, the Canucks could have had Ratu at that draft, but they went with Klimovich instead. But obviously, 
Uh, and when when Alvin spoke yesterday, uh, obviously he's going to go forward and speak very highly about the incoming assets, right? I mean, that, no GM is going to be like, yeah, we're marginally happy with what we got. Like, they're over the moon with this, right? So can we play with Al? Alvin had one money quote from this entire thing when we talk about winning and losing the trade. And the framework was... Well, I'll let the general manager speak for himself. We got this ready, Greg. This is Patrick Alvine on the bounty in return for Bo Horvat in yesterday's trade. You know what? Uh, you could look at it that we got uh, actually three first-rounders back here. Um, I think it was uh, <clears throat> important for us to get a first-round pick back. Um, we got a young prospect in, in Adorati. And again, we're getting a 25-year-old uh, young player in uh, Antonio, Antonio uh, Bovillier back here that uh, uh, been playing uh, pretty consistent for uh, New York Islanders over the the last couple of years. I've seen him a lot uh, in my previous organization in the playoffs here. Um, like the details he plays with, uh, his tenacity, his uh, puck hunting. Um, I think he will fit in well here uh, in our top six group uh, on the left side. Three first-round picks. He should have said, for all you nerds that wanted us to get picks, we just got three of them. How yeah. do you like that? Now, Ex- what he's... Except Beauvillier was a first-round pick seven years ago. Ratu actually wasn't a first-round pick. He was a second-round pick that fell to the second round. So I guess what is the spin there that you, you should have should have been taken in the first round? You just and then they spin. actually got a real first-round pick. When you're doing the spin, you have to be like, you guys know what I'm talking about. They're kind of first-round picks. And then mm-hmm. you put asterisks. And not just a first-round pick, but a first-round pick that's not one of the better picks in the first round. Probably. Like a lower first-round yeah. pick. But they still got three of them. You know... Um, I think Beauvillier is probably the least exciting return out of all of these. But I'm actually kind of curious to see what he does in the immediacy. Because the one thing that Alvin kept harping on yesterday were uh, details hard to play against. We saw him a lot in the playoffs. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if if you go back and look at the very short story of Beauvillier's postseason career. He scored a... a series worth of like game-winning goals in the playoffs. He's one of those guys that has done a little bit more damage in the playoff than in the regular season. The concern is that he's 25 years old, and whatever finishing prowess he had is kind of, I don't want to say falling off a cliff, but it's taken a nosedive. The issue with that is that his line mates didn't change in on the island. He was yeah. playing with like Brock Everyone Nelson. had trouble scoring on the island, too. So I'm kind of wondering, I'm like, is this a team thing? Because you would think he'd get a look with Pedersen maybe to begin. Like, it could be Beauvillier, Pedersen, and Kuzmenko. Yeah. That, that's a possibility. Could be, I guess. Yeah, sure. But, but again, I think the really interesting thing is that all three assets uh, have a sort of inherent flexibility to them. Like, if you don't like what you see from Beauvillier or you're not going to keep him long term, you can move him. Mm-hmm. He's got one year left. You could be a rental in the summer or at the trade deadline next year if you're not in the playoffs again. God forbid. Uh, Ratu isn't going to be thrust into the NHL lineup right away. He's going to report to Abbotsford. Mm-hmm. And you've got someone that might have a lot of growth in their game after slipping in the draft. I'm being very optimistic. Yeah, at this for point. sure. No, it's okay to be optimistic about it. And then with the pick, as we mentioned, you're kind of taking that short position, which I don't really understand. I don't get economics, but you, you got a short. It's not economics. Yeah, it's finance. You would call it right, like you know, advanced banking, like they're doing here. And you, you go in. never heard that phrase, advanced banking. But keep going. I want to know more about advanced banking. And you say, can we put the Isles in a position where maybe this turns into a real home run for us? Mm-hmm. So I really liked the deal. I was. I understand that some people were always going to expect more or you could have done this differently. You could have done that differently. But I thought it was a really smart, savvy move. 
and I'm just I'm really uh, I'm really happy that it, they got it done. I, I'm, I'm glad, really happy I'm that glad they got something it done. happened. I'm glad I'm glad they they made uh, a big move, and certainly trading your captain is a big move. This team needs to be shaken. It needs to yeah, be. Yeah. There needs to be more of these moves, right? Like we like keep I, it going. Do you remember when I said I'd cry on the air if they re-signed Horvat? It yeah. wasn't out of joy. It was just like we can't keep doing the same thing mm-hmm. over and over. Yes, this will. There is there is risk in this deal. All three of these assets could turn into nothing, and the Isles would have Horvat. Like that is possible, right? Like the Bovillier comes in, and he's like, "Yeah, I can see why the why he was available for trade." And the you know like the Islanders wanted to be rid of his contract, and then Ratu. Well, well, I can see why the Islanders were willing to throw this guy into the trade. And then the first round pick, we we all know, right? There's risk. You, yes. There's no guarantees with first round picks, but something had to change. Something had the, the team had to be shaken from a roster perspective, not just a mm-hmm. coaching change or a management change, a roster perspective, and not at the bottom of the lineup, not on third pair defense, not in backup goalie. Yeah. Like core players have to be moved out. They still have to be moved out, which leads us to the question of where does this trade leave the Canucks? Yeah. So I'm going to go through a bunch of things here, and then we can get into those things for the rest of the show, really, because this question, where does this leave the Canucks? There's a lot of items to get to. First of all, it leaves them without a captain. Right. So we're going to have that debate, and Patrick Galvin had comments about Pedersen and Hughes and their potential to take over the leadership role of this team. It leaves them with JT Miller, and with JT Miller as a center, because it's going to be Pedersen is a center, and then you don't have another top six center. Like you just, unless you want to put Sheldon Dries in there, which I don't think you do. And Ratu is obviously not ready to come up to the NHL, certainly not to play a top six role. So JT Miller is going to be a center for better or for worse. It leaves them with a blue line that still needs a dramatic makeover, a very dramatic makeover. And it still leaves them with salary, bad contracts that still need to be moved. Besser, Garland, Tyler Myers, will those guys be moved ahead of the trade deadline? Probably not. Will they be moved this offseason? Probably. It leaves them with five more weeks until the deadline. And still a pending UFA in a guy like Luke Shen. Drive up that Luke Shen price. Here's the good stuff. Here's what I really like. It leaves them with two first-round draft picks in this year's or next year's draft. Plus, Ratu, Podkolzin, Hoaglander, Linus Carlson, and Klimovich in the AHL. When you make moves like this, all of a sudden, that thin prospect pool, you start to look at it a little more positively. You've added a good prospect in Ratu. You've added another first-round draft pick, and all of a sudden that prospect pool that you're like, God, there's like no one coming. You can sit there and go, hmm, maybe in a year or two, yep. these guys will be ready to roll. Oh, I think I think that's a big part of this. Is even And again, this is coming from a fan base, and quite particularly two hosts that have been kind of clamoring for this for a while. You see the immediate choke chain effect like the moment that you make a deal like this all of a sudden perception gets flipped I don't want to say a full 180 because there's still work to do but there's a lot more optimism about okay more guys coming that could potentially contribute on their ELCs 
more guys that aren't going to cost you a ton of money. Because right now they're still very bloated money-wise on the wings. Like, Beauvillier doesn't solve that problem. It makes it more complicated because they yeah. got... It was funny. Alvin tried to spin it yesterday. He's like, you, you could say that we've given our coaching staff a lot of options. I'm like, you could say that. <laughs> you sure could say that. But they've you got could also a, call it a log jam. Yeah, or a lot of like dead money lying on your wings. But that's the reality of the situation. Something needed to come back monetarily. By the way, in case anyone is really interested in the, the fine print on this deal, uh, the Canucks are retaining 25% of Bo Horvat's salary for the mm-hmm. remainder of the year. Just kind of underscores how difficult it is to make these trades, period. Yeah. Like this, here's another thing. Kudos to both parties here for actually getting a trade done. You have no idea how much this trade resonated across North America. Mm-hmm. I had like eight different interview requests. Yeah. Did People you turn were, the wall down? Yeah, every Did one Winnipeg of Winnipeg request again? No, Winnipeg shut me out. I think I'm gonna I came on a little too strong in saying how much I like doing the hit. Yeah. And you gotta be like, calm with the Jets Jets fans. It was weird. I shouldn't fans. have called cool them the next Jets. day. I cool I called Winnipeg the next day. I right. should have waited three days. But anyway, um I, this was like a big deal because mm-hmm. there's such a log jam across the league. And not only did the deal get done, it got done way in advance of the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Your trade deadline's not for over another month, right? And I know all the guys on the trade center desks were pounding their fists, like, come on, man, like you can't start this already. We got a show to do on the day of. But the reality of it is it got done. And so here's it yeah. Sorry. Are no, you, it's a, well no, go you know what? Go ahead. We can we were talking about this all day, so there's no yeah. lack of time to talk about it. One of the questions that I threw out on Twitter yesterday was did the Canucks ultimately was this more about trading Horvat because they couldn't afford him? They obviously have salary issues. They have cap issues. And Horvat was having such a great year that his price went up. Was it more that? Or was this about a new management coming in and going, you know what? We need to change the culture. And Bo Horvat was the captain. And even though he was a good captain... He wasn't getting it done as a captain. The leadership group, um, I mean, we we all know the issues that the Canucks mm-hmm. have in terms of leadership and, and their culture. Um, I, I just wonder about the latter. So hold I, on. I, the question again is, was this about was not this being a, able to reach a contract or they never really wanted to and they wanted to change the culture? Yeah, pretty I, much. I, because I think the, 100% it was the latter. It was the latter, yeah, mm-hmm. because clearly they made decisions that led to them not being able to afford Horvat, right? They they signed Miller. They signed Kuzmenko. And the way Drance framed it in his piece on The Athletic, which is very good, by the way, I recommend you go read it in the aftermath of the trade, is he kind of said, last summer, they entered into negotiations trying to find an extension for Horvat. When they didn't, they almost frustratingly pivoted, and they're like, fine, right? we'll sign JT. Because mm-hmm. remember, the JT Miller deal really did come out of nowhere. Kind yeah. of also... Uh, kudos to whoever is in charge of keeping these things under wraps because nobody's breaking these Canucks deals mm-hmm. before they happen. Well, it's pretty tough with Lou Lamb, I think, involved. Yeah, but the Kuzmenko one just popped up out of nowhere. The JT Miller one popped up out of nowhere. The Kuzmenko one didn't pop up out of nowhere. I didn't think it was going to happen. Rick that, was all that over that one. No, no, no. That, it seemed like it was going to happen. Okay, you, well, you, I, you, you, you know what? You got to nap less during the day because a lot of stuff happens on Twitter while you're napping. I don't believe like it. Like Bo Horvat getting traded. That did happen while I was napping. I'd love to hear from the listeners on, on just the change – in, I, I realize it leaves a vacancy at captain cap at the captaincy role, and I realize it leaves a lot of unknowns. Um, 
you know, it's like these unknowns, like when the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson, and I was like, wow, there's a big unknown. Like, who's going to be able to come in and play quarterback for him? Now, fortunately, Geno Smith was able to come in and adequately replace him, actually more than adequately replace him. But there was that feeling when they traded Russ, there was like, wow, like they're in the wilderness now. And in terms of leadership of this team, they are in the wilderness right now, but that can be a good thing. Yeah. Like you, sometimes you just need to move players around and then you don't know who's going to take advantage of the opportunity. It can be an opportunity in the lineup. It can be an opportunity in a leadership role. It can be both things. What I like about this move is the fact that the Canucks did it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That sounds so weird, but like they just needed to change things. It might get worse before it gets better, but it needed to change. The best part of the trade is they made the trade. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I you know, I don't want to be like the hive mind thing where it's like, I agree with Bruff. We always have the best ideas, but that was we've been saying this for months. It's like you gotta do something. This year has been such a train wreck, such a tire fire. You couldn't let it keep burning and smoldering, especially when you put forth the messaging that you did. I mean, that was the worst part for me. I was like, Millhouse waiting for them to get to the fireworks. Where are they going to get the fireworks factory? Like, when? Because if you're going to promise major surgery, I mean, like, I'm all in now. I'll sign up for elective surgery at this point. Like, just keep it coming, right? There needs to be something new. If you're going to promise change, change has to happen. We got a lot of things that are still to come on this show. We're here till 9 o'clock. We've pretty much dedicated, again, all due respect to the January transfer window closing across Europe. Uh, we're probably going to focus almost exclusively on the Bo Horvat trade today. Pretty fundamental. A lot of the things we still need to get into, Bo's legacy in Vancouver, his impact, how he'll be remembered. The next captaincy, I think we need a long conversation about that because Alvin didn't waste a lot of time yesterday addressing who the guys might be. That actually surprised me. Yeah, same. That really surprised me, and we'll play the audio from Alvin. Uh, Greg Wyshynski, though, is coming up next on the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Six thirty-three on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. It is Tuesday. It is six thirty-three in the AM. That can only mean one thing. We have Greg on the line, correct? Nod. Yeah. Blink twice. Good. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. Good morning, Gregory. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, uh, thanks to Vancouver for doing what teams do around this time of year, which is make our trade deadline broadcast less interesting. Yeah, is it not amazing? So uh, is it not fantastic? Pretty solid stuff. Well, you know, it's smart though. Like that credit to Lou and the Islanders for doing what teams should do, which is to not play the deadline game. You know, get your work done early. Like settle this thing early, and then. You have more runway with the player that you think is going to salvage your season, and, and you don't end up having to get into unforeseen bidding wars with desperate teams uh, in the last few hours before the deadline. And teams are smart to try to get ahead of the curve like this, for sure. Well, let's talk about this for a few minutes from the Islanders' perspective. Um, 
what did you think from the Islanders' perspective of this trade? Well, from the Islanders' perspective, you know, the, the risk you run is that a prospect will turn out to be something better than a third-line center, which he's projected to be, and that your two-year prognostication that you're going to be a contender uh, bears out that it's true. I mean, you know, the draft pick part of this is the toughest thing they gave up. And what the Canucks did, which I think is a really smart thing, is they basically faded the Islanders, right? Like, they're like, we're pretty convinced that you're probably not going to make the playoffs this season. And then look at your roster. Uh, we're, 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 you know, maybe hoping Hor- Horvat doesn't sign there. This roster has been underwhelming now for two straight seasons. Maybe you're going into a funk. And maybe that 2024 pick ends up being even higher than the 2023 pick. So, like, it, it's, a, it's a decent gamble from their perspective. But from the Islanders' perspective, we talked about this before. Like, Lula Amarillo is, is making the wager that the two years in the pandemic where the Islanders made the conference final, that's the Islander team that he put together. That's the one that's on the ice now versus the one that we saw last year and, and the one that we've seen most of this year where they have a 12% chance of making the playoffs. And so the wager he's making is not only will Bo Horvat uh, fill a bunch of problems and, and need, needs for this team in the short term, but I'm going to get him signed and, and, he, and I'm going to give Matty Barzell the other star player that he's not had there since Severus left. Uh, can you handicap the Islanders' chances of re-signing Horvat? <laughs> yeah, I would say they're really high. I, I, know, I know this is going to hurt everybody's baby ears, but Lou Lamarillo has been doing this since 1987. Do you think that he's making this trade without some inkling that they have at least a pretty good chance of signing Bo Horvat beyond this season? Are like, you I, suggesting, Greg, that there is tampering in the National Hockey League? And if so, how dare you? I, I know, I know, and, I'm, and I, I feel bad for Jim Benning every time I talk about it because he's the only guy that ever got caught. Like, he's the only guy that ever got punished <laughs> for doing it. He's like the only guy. It happens all the time. Obviously, you're going to have a little bit of intel on this guy. Obviously, you're going to know he's got a puncher's chance at him. Horvat, to his credit, probably doesn't even know any of this is, is in motion because he was very sort of um, obtuse about it in his, his uh, availability yesterday. But then Lou's kind of like, yeah, we're hoping we get it done. We think we got a good chance. And, and he said something that was so like Tony Soprano yesterday in, in the uh, press conference that I absolutely loved. When he actually said, uh, you hope that the, uh, the player that you acquire has, uh, has character, and you hope that the player that you acquire understands the price that was paid <laughs> yeah. for him. Like, like literally saying, hey, Bo, look what we gave up for you, man. You owe us one. It's crazy, but it's the kind of leaning on people that Lou does. And it's, <laughs> it's one of the reasons why even at like 80 years old, he's so endearing. It'd be a real shame if you didn't re-sign with the team, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> You know, and that's that's why it's not tampering. He called up Pat Morris. He's like, you know that thing, the thing that we're going to do about the thing, <laughs> that thing. As long as you don't say it, then the FBI can't get you on the top. We all yeah, know this. This wiretap is very confusing. Uh, <laughs> wish uh, Anthony Beauvillier. I know he wasn't the main piece of this trade. In fact, if you were to power rank the three pieces coming to the Canucks, um, he's probably the number three on that list. But can you tell Canucks fans just a little bit about him and what to expect from him? Yeah, I mean, he's a player of perpetual upside. I mean, that's, that's the best way to describe him. I mean, 
he's never been able to really capitalize on some of the moments that he had when he first broke into the league where it looked like he was going to be an integral part of, of the foundation of that Islanders team. He never, um, you know, he was on track to score over 20 goals in some of the shortened seasons, and that's great. Um, but he's never done it in a full 82. And he's, he's not a very good defensive player at, at all at five on five. I mean, that is not his calling card at all. And so your hope here is, is twofold. One, that a guy in his mid-20s with a change of scenery and maybe you play him with a, a, a different skill set of offensive guys like, you know, Pedersen or Miller or whomever, you know, you unlock something that hasn't been unlocked on Long Island. And then if you don't, you got him for this year, you got him for next year, and he probably has some value somewhere in this league if you wanted to turn that asset into something else, maybe something that helps you further down the line. So, I, again, like, as I pointed out on the trade grade on ESPN.com, like <laughs> – you got, you got to look at this thing categorically. You know, you, the, the Canucks obviously are not re-signing Bo Horvat, and I think the rest of the league knew that. So you have a star player right now, I mean, having an incredible goal-scoring season that everybody knows is not going to stay in Vancouver, that is an, has an expiring contract, and they get back for him a top-six NHL forward, top-six meaning lineup-wise, not like in the entirety of the league. They get a prospect who is clearly in the top five for his organization and they get a first round pick that while lottery protected this year could end up being a, a pretty high lottery pick in 2024 if the Islanders fall apart and I can't I can't I can't hate that <laughs> like that's that's kind of what you expect in this situation for Bo Horvat and and Bavillier is is very much that kind of player that you see moved in a deal like this like you're not going to get somebody who's on the upswing and, and is, is, is like playing on a top line, you're going to get a guy that could be real good, but maybe has fallen out of favor with his team. That's the guy that gets moved in a trade like this. We're speaking to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Greg, I don't want to throw you into the deep end here and get you to talk at length about a prospect that's only played a handful of games at the NHL level, but Atu Ratu, um, our takeaway on this was – if you're going to get a prospect, you better get the best one from a team that doesn't have a ton of them and I think is often ranked in the low 20s in terms of overall NHL prospect pools. But uh, what do you know, and then what could Canucks fans possibly expect from the guy? Yeah, I mean, this team, this team hasn't like had a first-round pick since they like took Tavares, it feels like. So, I mean, they don't exactly have the, uh, the most robust prospect pool right now. But Ratu's an interesting one in, in the sense that, you know, he's shown – a little bit of offensive spark in places outside of North America. At one point, he was a point-per-game player in Finland uh, for a stretch of time, and that really opened up people's eyes to the possibilities of what this guy could actualize as, as an NHL player. But if you, if you listen to the people that really follow prospects and that have followed his, his maturation in the Islander system, he projects to be a middle-of-the-lineup center. And, you know, not, not a top-line guy, not a star player, but a, a serviceable NHL player. And, and that's fine. Like, if that's the floor, then anything you, you get above that is, is great. And the bottom line is that the Islanders felt comfortable moving him because in their, in their mind, they're going to re-sign Bo Horvat. And now you've got Barzell and Horvat up the gut as your top two guys. Like, there might not be any room at the end for him anyway. So it, it was kind of dealing from what they perceived to be a position of strength where they're able to give up a prospect that, again, does not project to be a star, but is without question one of their top prospects and could eventually have some upside because he's shown some offensive flourish in the past. The Canucks are now without a captain, and Patrick Alvin yesterday suggested that Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes are ready to take on more of a leadership role. I don't know if he meant that one of those two is going to be named captain like next week, 
But big picture, um, what do you think is the toughest responsibility of being a captain in the NHL? Can I, can I ask you a question to your question? Sure. Do you find it curious at all that JT Miller's name was not included in that no. election? No, because I, you I don't think, find it curious. Well, I think it's curious. <laughs> I think it's, I think we'll talk about it, but I don't, I, but I think this market has been through enough this right, year well, that if they were to name JT Miller captain, it would just be, but, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, He's a veteran player. He's mm-hmm. one of their most important players. You yep. signed him to a long-term contract. Mm-hmm. Logic would dictate that that guy's name should be in circulation to wear the seat. Logic would dictate that. And yet it's not even in, in the realm of possibility right now from Patrick Alvin. Wish, I if, if, I had, if, if I had a lie detector, I would love to hook up either Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin and ask them one question. Do you regret the JT Miller re-signing? I'd like to I'd like to hook him up with a lie detector and ask, was this your idea? <laughs> that would be my second question. <laughs> but but again, like that's what I'm saying. It's like the fact that it's not even in, in the realm of possibility, I think speaks volumes about the content of his character, for lack of a better phrase. And so just more grist for the mill for the JT Miller regretters. But um as far as what a captain does in this league now, I mean it's it's a it is the most important, least important role in the league, if that makes any sense. Like, um, there are the locker rooms are filled with leaders, and, and granted, uh, you know there are certain captains that have a lot of sway. I mean, there is no question the Bruins are Patrice Bergeron's team. He's basically become Reggie Dunlop in his later years, where you know him and Jim Montgomery are working together to kind of manage the locker room. I mean, there are places where the captaincy still remains very, very important, and then there are other places where the best player wears the C and there are other leaders in the locker room that kind of fill in the blanks. Um, so it's, it, it really varies from team to team. I mean, if you put the C on, on Elias Patterson, you're, you're kind of saying this is his team. You're not looking to him to be, you know, Nick Foligno barking instructions to his mates <laughs> in the right. intermission of the winter classic to fire them up for the third period. Like it's probably not what you're looking for from him. So it really is sort of a case by case basis. And sometimes um, if you have somebody who wears the C who may not necessarily be the rah-rah guy, you got to go find the rah-rah guy that, that hopefully is somebody who's maybe won before. Uh, we're speaking to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, a few people, Greg, have astutely pointed out that it's nice in the dueling fan bases on Twitter to be on the side that isn't freaking out about a trade because uh, there's a lot of Islanders fans that are not thrilled with this deal. And I think I get why. Like Conceptually, you needed more goals. Bo Horvat has a lot of them. He goes to your team. You're going to score more goals. But they actually, we had Dan Rosen on the show yesterday, and he was talking about the amount of depth that the Islanders had at center. Like, if they needed something, it was a guy on the wing that could complement some of these centers, not another center. So what's the general consensus out of New York right now? Are they a little apprehensive about this? Are they convinced that Bo Horvat is the guy that's going to propel them into the playoffs and beyond? Or is there some real skepticism about this? There's, there's skepticism, but it goes beyond Bo Horvat. And, and as far as the center position goes, I mean, I, like I, I think it was, I think Lou himself said this yesterday, and it's absolutely true. You can move centers anywhere in the lineup that you want. You can't make a winger into a center, which is, you know, things that teams learn the, the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you can make a center a wing. So I, I, their, their center depth is not a, a concern here. Like they can move those guys anywhere in the lineup that they want to, and, and they're going to be all right. Uh, you know, having too many centers is not in any way, shape, or form a problem 
in the National Hockey League. So I, I'm, I'm, that's the least of their concerns. The biggest concern that they have is the direction of this team. I mean, Bo Horvat's birthday is in early April. He turns 28. If you look at the Islanders' roster and how many guys that are 28 and older that are on this roster and, and on long-term contracts beyond next season, it's a lot. It's yeah. not very good it's a, to have that situation in this league. Um, this is a team that has get, gotten diminishing returns the last two seasons since they had those pandemic runs to the conference final. Um, I think Islander fans see this as trying to fix a problem that one player can't fix. Look, they're happy. Look, they, they can't score. He can score. They're, they, they're, ter- they're 31st in the league on the power play. He can score on the power play. Uh, they're 15th in the league in faceoffs. He can win a faceoff. Like, he fixes a lot of issues for this team in the short term, perhaps even in the long term. But the problem is, is like, it's like putting a, putting a penthouse at the top of a building whose foundation's been condemned. Right? Like, like, that is kind of the issue right now for this team, uh, if, he, if he does, in fact, re-sign with them, is that there are so many other issues in this lineup and, and you know, problems with this cap. And, oh, by the way, Ilya Sorokin is going to be one year away from UFA status after this season, that they've got so many other concerns that Bo Horvat's arrival doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, soothe any of them. Uh, you know, the, the, there's a lot of different interesting wrinkles and angles to all of this. And one I think will be the knock-on effect is with the trade market, uh, it's still a long way away from the deadline. And, and both Jason and I are very happy that the Canucks decided not to wait an entire month, largely because there was nothing to talk about this week. I was like, Tuesday's going to stink. It didn't stink. Um, but now, you know, part of the Horvat trade was Lou alerting the media that the Canucks had to retain 25% of Horvat's contract just to make this thing work. I think it underscores how difficult it is to make deals right now. That This one was such a big deal, not just in Vancouver, New York, but everywhere. Everyone wanted to talk about this thing because nothing's happening right now. For lack of a better phrase, does this shake loose the tree? Do you think we might start seeing more, or is this going to be a bit of a one-off because there's so much time until March? There's two things here. Two things here. First of all, I think that first, Jaws dropped when he said the 25%. I'll be honest with you. Like, no, nobody had reported it before Lou reported it himself. Right. Uh, it, was, it was kind of a stunning moment to hear that in the press conference uh, because it was just like, you go, why? And, and I think the reason why probably is, you had some other teams that are pretty good that were angling to acquire Bo Horvat, right? You, we, know, we know Boston kicked the tires. You know, Carolina was sort of sniffing around. The Rangers, I guess, kicked the tires. Like, there are some really good teams that wanted him. A lot of those teams aren't necessarily going to be the interesting play that a Islanders 2023 or 2024 draft pick will be. And so to make the deal with this particular team, they probably had to retain to make it happen. It doesn't mean they would have to do it with everybody. It just means for the Islanders to get that pick that they wanted, they probably had to do that, that bit of business. So I'm not too concerned about the retention and how it informs the rest of the trade market. But as for that trade market, yeah, I mean, I've been talking to GMs for the last few weeks. I wrote about this a couple weeks ago on ESPN, just like where the, tr- the trade winds are blowing. And the, the winds picked up definitely like within the last week and a half. Right. There's a lot more chatter. And the reason is, is that you finally have teams that – believe that uh, they're in or they're out. The Islanders believe they're in. St. Louis probably believes they're out. Uh, and so you're going to see more of these teams committing to which direction they want to go as the trade deadline approaches. And now things get really interesting in the center market because Bo Horvat was, without question, the domino that needed to fall. And now we can figure out who might go for O'Reilly. And now we can figure out who might go for Taves. It, 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 I think it is going to start to really open up the market a little bit because now teams 
know they're out on Horvat unless the Islanders flip them, which is a whole other conversation, uh, and, and, uh, and can go ahead and try to look at those other options that have been rumored uh, to be available at the deadline. I was going to let you go, but you just brought up something that like numerous people have texted into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, the notion of the Islanders play a month, they don't get any better, they're out of the playoffs, and they flip. I mean, what are the percentages of that happening? I can't see it based on what Lamorello said yesterday and his track record. I mean, you got J.G. Pajot right there. This is the blueprint for what you do at the deadline. But I suppose we should address it if only because the possibility remains, however slight it is. Well, I've, I've, you know, listen, I've I've drank a lot in my life, so the the synapses don't always fire the way they used to. But I think that this was what happened with Vanek at one point, right, where the – the, maybe it was even the Islanders that acquired him and then and then flipped him and turned him around and traded him again when when things went differently. So it's not unprecedented. Um, but he, the reason why it's even a thought is because there seems to be so much investment into two concepts. One, that the Islanders are a playoff team, and again, 12% chance they make it, not great. Two, that Bo Horvat is going to be on Long Island beyond this season. I still think number two is probably going to happen or else Lou doesn't make this trade, but let's say it doesn't. Let's say a change of heart happens. Let's say he wants to go to market, maximize his potential. Maybe, you know, he can't make more than Matt Barzell on that team. Maybe there's something in, in, the, in the ether that makes this relationship not work. So if the Islanders have a, you know, 2% chance of making the playoffs by the time the trade deadline rolls around and they know Bo Horvat's not going to stay on Long Island, what would prevent them from trading him? Right. Like, what is the reason to keep him? If, if he's not going to stay, there's no reason. I mean, to that's the, that's the scenario. So, like, it does seem a little a little wild to think that they invested so much capital into acquiring this guy. And, and again, I, I, if I was a betting man, and I am, I'd probably say that that Horvat's going to be on this team beyond the season. But there's a lot of things that are there that, if they go sideways, could portend him being back on the market. And again, he has no trade protection. And again. The most interesting thing about this scenario, boys, the Islanders can retain another 25% of the salary, which would open up the trade market in a remarkable way mm-hmm. to have Bo Horvat retained at 50%, 25 to the Canucks, 25 to the Islanders. Now you're talking about a lot of teams that are capped out that are going to be in the Bo Horvat business. Is it fair to say that if an extension isn't signed in the next like week, then we really start to wonder about this because I remember the Hampus Lindholm deal went down between Anaheim and Boston, and I think the extension was announced the next day. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't know what Lou's calendar looks like. I mean, if he's going to have a better handle on the negotiation process than anyone as far as like how long he's willing to go. I mean, maybe it goes beyond the trade deadline. Who knows? I mean, um, but. I don't, I, I, like I said, I don't think it is outlandish to wonder about that scenario because everything's in place for it to potentially happen. And, uh, and I don't think that Lou, who, you know, as we've talked about throughout this conversation, has, is hyper-aggressive to make this team competitive, um, is, is going to sit around on his hands and watch this guy walk away for nothing if he, in fact, is going to walk away. And again, you can't, you can't divorce the Lou part of this that out, out of the situation. I mean, the man's eighty, you know, or you know, it's like he wants to win now. Yeah, <laughs> he's not. He's he, this is why you go out and and re-sign veteran players. This is why you go out and bring in a twenty-eight-year-old. You know, he he's not a guy that's that that can sit back and be like, we have another five-year plan. Like this is this is the team he's put together. 
it's a team he wants to be competitive and he wants to go out a winner. And, and so there's a sense of, of urgency to this whole thing. Wish you are the best. Thanks for doing this, bud. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again next Tuesday. Anytime. Thanks. Thanks. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You mentioned the Lindholm mm-hmm. uh, deal. The Pajot one, which Lamorello did, yeah. was he uh, acquired Pajot and then on the same day right. signed him to a six-year extension. Mm-hmm. So never mind the week that you're talking about. Like Lou is often, I could have done one done last night. Right. Just send the facts to Disney World. So mm-hmm. You just sign that and then you send it on back. But I, yeah, I'm with you. I think that as much as we love to get, you know, speculative and creative and, oh, could you imagine if they do this? Lamorello's pretty old school. Mm-hmm. I think this was very much a trade acquire with the goal of keeping Bo Horvat around. Because Bo, you know what? It all depends what Horvat wants. Like, is it all about the money? Because if it's about the money, I'm pretty sure the Islanders are going to be prepared to give him a big contract they've like got a the, big yeah, offer they wouldn't the they wouldn't yeah and then they wouldn't have done this if they were like well let's see if we can nickel and dime them when we get here right like be, be, but the question for for me would be does Bo want to play for the islanders right, right? I, I can you imagine being in his shoes and just like i don't know where i'm gonna get traded and then it's like the islanders and he might be like you know what i've never even thought about the islanders yeah, i mean you could as you, a you could have worse landing spots than new york i'll say that for um, sure, they got a new arena there. The facilities are, are I imagine, top notch. Um, you can live in a pretty exciting part of the world while also maintaining because you play for the Islanders, like you don't have to live in downtown or whatever. Virtual anonymity in, in well, New there's York. that too. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure there 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 might be that factor too. But you don't know what they dreamed of as a family, right? I mean, he initially dreamed of being the captain of the Vancouver Canucks. He said yesterday, like, I thought at one point I was going to be a Canuck for life. Like, this is – so all in the span of a year, everything's changed for not only him as a hockey player, but also him uh, and their family. But Horvat might also look at the Islanders and go, I don't want to lose anymore. Mm -hmm. This team is not in a playoff position. This team – is old. This team doesn't have a big prospect pipeline. Even if they can pay me the most that any team could, do I want to be part of a losing organization anymore? Sometimes players handicap those chances. Other times they're about, you know, whatever, I'll just give me the contract, set me up and I'm and I'm good and I'll sure. and I'll play for a good organization like the Islanders if they see it like that, right? Horvat honestly sounded on his Zoom like he really didn't know much about the Islanders as an organization. Like, it didn't seem like they were a team that he thought a lot about. No, he did trot out the, uh, I was proud to be a Canuck, and now I'm proud to be a New York Islander. Yeah, he said, good. yeah, I played with some guys at the uh, the Worlds. Yeah, and but, that's, right? but that's, that's one of the things that happens when you don't have trade protection in your contract. I'm perfectly honest. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's a part of it is you do I mean that's why guys negotiate for this. This is why agents lobby for this. Is so yeah. you have some control over the process. Uh, we got a lot more to get to in the Halford and Brough show on Sportsnet 650. Uh coming up, we're gonna get a deeper look at what's coming to the Canucks from the Islanders. Greg Picker, our Isles Radio Color Man is gonna join us. We will talk about everything that's coming over from the Islanders, what we can expect from Beauvillier and Ratu. All of it coming up next as we continue our deep dive into the biggest trade of the season so far and the biggest trade in a long time for the Vancouver Canucks. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.